this is Marnie, back with Maxim and Marnie. This podcast is hopefully weekly, if we can book um, fabulous guests from my home church, to hear their story. And the goal is to hear truth um, and vulnerability so that we can be more sympathetic and gracious um, and engaged with one another as a community. I mean, that's what is another word for Maxim, Maxim and Marnie, truth and in, in me. So come and share your story with me. And today, um, we're so lucky to have Gary Tupac with us. He Welcome, worships Gary. at Thank the you. celebration service. Hello, sir. Hi. Um, he doesn't love talking about himself, <laughs> but we're we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it happen. Okay. Um, Gary, where did you grow up? I grew up in the um, nor- near west suburbs of Chicago, Lyons. I went to school in Brookfield and uh, Berwyn, that area. So near west side, I guess you would say. So Chicago and all my life. And you, what would you describe yourself when you were in high school? I think kind of a, a cool nerd. Cool yeah. nerd. I mean, I got really good grades, um, thus went into engineering, but also hung with the cool kids, was in rock bands. Uh, when um, was the first time you um, like went to a party? Do you remember that? Ooh. With the cool kids. <laughs> My parents have both passed, so I can yeah. probably say yeah. this. Probably, in trouble. probably like, you know, 13 or 14 years old and did some things I probably shouldn't have done, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But really had no inhibitions about that. No. Yeah. No. So you were like, I'm not afraid. I'll do it. I'll right. hang. I'll do it. I'll up your drink if you take there's a prob- drink. There's probably still things I didn't tell my parents that I did. So. And did you get caught? Not very often. That's why I kept doing them. Yeah, so 13, so that is seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Went to, and it was a boy-girl party. Boy-girl parties, parents not home. Did you, you know, do seven minutes in heaven? Some of those things. Type yeah, like, yeah, spin like that. the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah look you at know, push you. Push the envelope. You know. Who was your first kiss? Oh, I think. Was it a spin the bottle? Was that your first kiss? No, we just kind of hung. You know, yeah, so that it was wasn't. Walk around the schoolyard, you know, get along the brick wall, or, you know, behind the door, oh, you know, where you could, little pockets of yeah, privacy. Sure. I'm sorry. Hidden don't trips. you feel like. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> don't you feel like there's probably a generation of kids missing this now? Like. Hidden trysts behind brick walls. Yeah. yeah. I hope hidden I, trysts like, are this still is, happening. exciting. Yeah, it's yeah. very exciting. <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't want to give a wrong answer. I can't remember who my first kiss was. I probably oh, remember her name. Plus, if I said that, then, well, then Patty would, you know, yeah, know she, something maybe she shouldn't know. Yeah, she might be When jealous. was the last time you took Patty around a brick wall? <laughs> <laughs> probably never. <laughs> I think, so yeah, I think, you know, it's like those are the girls you, you hang with and you chase, but, you know, you marry a different type uh-huh. of girl, right? right? Well, that's right. not fair to the girl at the brick wall. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so you had the parties, you had that fun high school experience. Were you in a sport or a club in high school? No, mostly music. Well, we played a lot of sports, but in those days we played... Everything. Well, we played everything, and, and kids played together without a lot of organized. Yes. So you um, weren't playing for the school team? No, there wasn't really... School sports weren't that big a deal. I was in Little League, you know, back in the day, so... Um, um, and so then you said you were smart. So what college did you go to? I went to a cooperative engineering school run by General Motors, General Motors Institute. It's now Kettering University. And where's that? Uh, in Michigan, Flint, Michigan. And it was still a four-year kind of program. It was actually a five-year program. Yeah. And so you went there and you say GM. So like you went there to engineer cars? I worked on the locomotives. So Trains? These trains, yes. Yes, but I knew a lot of people that worked on the cars and the trucks. And so um, that, oh, there, Keen and Kelly are walking by right now on the sidewalk. Sorry, I always say I can sit this way and not look out the window and be distracted, and I just clearly was. <laughs> I can't see anything Sorry, now out the baby Gabriel, who just yeah, got baptized. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, good, that's good. Um, squirrel. Um, so, yes, so you went there for five years, and I don't mean to say this like in a judgy way, but were the population mainly masculine? Oh, yeah. There was a few females, but yes. not like now. They were encouraging more females in engineering and technology. And that's still going on. But, right. But the percents are a lot higher than when I was 
right because then it was probably super huge right. so where so then you went there in Michigan and then where did that lead you uh, back to GM working for like a year and then they sent me for my master's and that was at Wisconsin in Madison Party so, school. So yeah. big wow. school. So big you just school. kept having parties. Yes. So five years. And then how long were you at UW? Two? One. One. Did my master's in one. Whoa. You are really smart. And so did you go to in the games? Because I feel like the UW Madison football game is a real experience. Yeah. And back in there, and back in my day when I was there, the, the football team was actually pretty terrible so it was really only a party i don't think yeah. people even watched the game right you were just there for the camaraderie yeah. and i more hung out around the stadium I didn't yeah really, didn't even go in didn't even need to go in didn't need to yeah and so <laughs> where did you meet patty the stairs were really steep you know i didn't want to fall, <laughs> fall down yeah yeah so then where did you fall in love that's where i met patty so that's kind of the, oh, the love well, story tell us that story okay so I was in my just starting the second semester at grad school, and a typical Saturday for myself and a good friend of mine from Iowa would be to we studied all day, get our work done, get ready for the next week, and then we would go out Saturday night and Cheers. party. And, Absolutely. Right. <clears throat> so there was a bar called the Cardinal, I think it was, and that was where, where the best music was and the disco and the dancing and all that. Because so, what year is this? This is 19... Beginning in 1977. And so disco was still legit. Well, not disco, but I mean, they had a really good sound system. It's what and you lights call it. And, Yeah, it wasn't disco music, but it was a dance discotheque yes, yes, at- yes. atmosphere. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, so my buddy and I were in there, had a few beers. And this was actually, as a side, this was actually the best known gay bar in Madison. Okay. And so that's kind of part of our story. We met in a gay bar, which yeah, I love was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, love so, is love. Very forward thinking. Yeah. So this was a little crazy, too. So actually, I really liked tall girls. So I actually asked her girlfriend to dance first. Oh. And she said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure, right? So then there's, you know, this blonde about my height. Patty, a little little shorter. So I asked her to dance. We're dancing and talking. I probably bought her a beer or something. And then I find out that she used to go out with the, the uh, brother of a fraternity brother of mine. So, you know, things Connections. Come, connections from, you know, everywhere or nowhere. And uh, then I started dating her, and a year and a half later, we, we got married. So. so what year was she in school? She was out. She had a girl, oh, that's a good, thank you, good question. She would visit, she had a girlfriend living in Madison, and she was actually a teacher in Richmond, Illinois. They would go up, her and her tall girlfriend. They had the tall, lanky lady. Yes, the lanky lady. Uh, She, (laughs) they would go up there, and it was kind of weird, too, because they very seldom went out, but this night they went out to that bar. They would usually, and so usually as I, we were dating on Saturday, we'd watch, you know, the Barry Tyler Moore show, you know, just kind of hang and go out for a little dinner. So it was really unusual that she was out, you know, partying. Yeah. Because right? she's still not a big part. Are you the same age? She's two years older than me. Oh, look at yeah. you. So went for wiser. Yeah. Not taller, but shorter yeah, and wiser. Wiser, petiter. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Smaller package. So then you graduate UW, so you're kind of dating long distance. Yes. And then you're like, this is the, when did you know this was the one? Or would you say there was that moment or you just decided? We I just love decided because I went after I graduated in the summer, I went back to work. And then on weekends, I would go up to her house. She lived in the McHenry area. So on Fridays, I'd go up, I'd stay at her. Actually, she moved back in with her parents to save some money. I think the, you know, the indicators were there that this was getting serious. Um, and I didn't want to marry her if she had a lot of debt. So I said, you got to save some money. <laughs> pay down. <laughs> pay down, pay down your down. stuff. So that went on for, I don't know, six months or so. We said, you know, it got to be, not, not that driving was such a pain, but it's a lot of logistics yeah. back and forth. So we decided to get married. So then you got married and you lived where? We lived uh, in, uh, well, actually, this let me get this straight. Okay, we got married, and I ended up getting an assignment at this just shortly after that on the Union Pacific Railroad in North Platte, Nebraska. So our first year, I drug her out to uh, cowboy country, mm-hmm. and 
we had an apartment, and um, I rode locomotives and fixed things on trains for about a year out west. Then we came back, and we lived in my old hometown, Lyons. So when you um, think about your marriage, especially in those early years, would you say you had typical roles? Was it you went and tro- like traveled on the locomotive and were gone all week, and you took her to Nebraska, and then she was home, or was she working? Or No, she wasn't for the first few months. But then, um, you know, and she had, I, I knew the person that was already working out there, so we had a, at least a, a friendship of sure. couples. And eventually she st- started working uh, in a restaurant that kind of gave her a little more to do uh, with when I was out. So did you ever help clean the house? Not too much. She no. cleaned the house. She cleaned the house. You but it was only two of, the of the us, house. so that and was did pretty you, easy. Did you, oh, yeah. uh, Patty, I'll tell him. Um, did you cook, or did she always cook? She cooked. I was, I'm, and I still am more of a griller. You know, I yes, can, yes, yes. I can grill a mean steak, but I'm not a chef. Yeah. You know? So even now, like on a Saturday at lunchtime, is a sandwich prepared for you by her? Oh, no, I can do that. You'll be like, I'm yeah. making lunch, and we're making it for everybody. So that's like a partnership thing. Yeah. And would you say in the early years, marriage was easy and you communicated similarly or there were challenges and you've like, oh, we figured that out early? No, I think marriage was pretty cool because we, we, we didn't have kids in the beginning, right? So um, we had a lot of free time. And being out west, whenever I got vacation or time off, we'd go out to, you know, Cheyenne or the Grand Canyon because you're halfway out there already. So we had some pretty, pretty good times just, you know, being a couple. Yeah. Dinks, double Dink. income, yes. no kids. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is a good time. Yeah, um, but we came back. Uh, you know, go figure. She got pregnant out there. So actually, when she came back, uh, when we came back, she was pregnant with our first child. So then you return, and you're working where? Still at General Motors. Still at General Motors. And what does that look like? Uh, you know, junior engineer, trying to get ahead, working. Went started going to night school. Um, why did you go to night school? At this point, you're already at six years of education. Well, interesting thing about General Motors. Um, they might have done a lot of things wrong over the year, but what they really did right is encourage training and education mm-hmm. and, and, and betterment. Well, everybody there had master's degrees. So it was like if you want to distinguish yourself, you got to get something beyond that. So I went back at night for an MBA and... Uh, I'm so, so ignorant. I oh, thought master's, master's in business administration. So your first master's was in engineering. Was in engineering. Yes. So now you're really fancy. And <laughs> so then, so where did your career lead? Where, where did you all experience and do? Well, I was, you know, moving up through the organization. And um, every every year, Patty was pregnant. So, you know, we're getting... <laughs> literally. So you literally, had one every... Every year for three years. We took a year off, and then we had Karen. So so you had four kids in five years. Yes. Shazam. Are their birthdays near one another? Mark and... Well, let's see. Annie is February 1st of 1980. Mark... I mean, Jeff is like April of the next year. Mark is April, but a couple weeks later in uh-huh. April, the following year. Then we took a year off, and then it was July. Okay. So there was between 80 and 84, yeah. we had all the kids. Marnie, you know you why I'm asking. lots no, of babies. No, why are, you, why asking? are you asking? Well, your children all have the same oh, pretty much birthday. Oh, yeah. Wow. We do have a real... My kids are December 24th, December 25th, December 26th. But 2000... Did you not know that? No, I didn't do that. Yeah, so it was 2004, 2006, and then 2011, <laughs> and we skipped March for two years. Oh. And then I was like, is this a thing? And the doctor's like, no. I'm like, I think it's a thing. I think it's a thing. I think That's it's a funny. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so we were having kids kind of faster than my uh, uh, raises were coming. Sure. Right? So I, you know, that, uh, it's another reason I went to the night school, finished that, and tried to. For a while, I was getting ahead of GM, but the um, there was railroad deregulation back in the, I guess it would have been early 80s. And so actually that business was shrinking. So then I, my best opportunities were to leave and go to a different company. And then... That was after 15 years with General Motors. So. And then you went where? I went to uh, Rockwell International, but you might think, oh, you know, the space shuttle uh, group. But no, I was in the printing press group. Oh, not as sexy. Not as sexy, <laughs> but still pretty cool. I mean, and, I've always I've always worked on big machines. And so, where did you travel with them? Uh, international Japan. That's when I started some international travel. Tell me about Japan. Uh, 
it was it was really pretty cool from the standpoint of uh, if you ever want to feel special, go as a business person to Japan because, because you're you are so treated, unique and you're treated like royalty. Why? Yeah. That's just the way they are, and I don't know if just it's still that way. Yeah, gracious yeah, yeah, yes, great yeah. hosts, hosts, fantastic. Yeah, hosts. and you just clearly look. Absolutely different. Well, and you look different. So would you say that you think that's still typical in Japan, that most people that live in Japan are Japanese? That I don't know. Because that would that is an interesting dynamic as, as yeah. a person that has grown up in America where we're a melting pot, to go to a place where everyone looks similar. That is very yeah. unique. Yeah. Well, Ben, and at that time I was actually at a printing, a printing company for newspapers up in Sendai, I think it was called, which was very near where the uh, the reactor got... Their earthquake. Their earthquake and the, <clears throat> the tsunami and all that. And that was kind of neat being in that town because uh, people can't see, but I'm not a very tall person. <laughs> But in that town, you walked around, you felt like a, a tall person because everybody oh. was at least my height or lower. So, you know, it was, you know, very, very kind of interesting. And there yeah. there I was very unique. You know, if you go to Tokyo, you might as well be in San Francisco. It's very blended, okay. right? Okay, so Tokyo of, would not Tokyo be Tokyo is different. not typical Japan. Okay, right? okay. You have to get away from the big city to experience more of the traditional, which is probably true in most, Most countries, right? right. Yeah. And what would you say, what, like English, how did you communicate? We had an interpreter everywhere, everywhere. So you would speak, pause, speak, pause, speak, Correct. pause. Correct. Everything took twice as long because you said, you know, hello. I mean, I, you learned the yeah. basics, how to order a beer, you know, how to say hello or thank can you, you give us? Can you give us any? Do you remember anything? Mm, order a beer. Yeah. No, I don't remember anything. Our, I don't know. I remember Arigato. Arigato, yeah, yeah, that's all mushy, I got mushy. too. Yeah, I don't know anything in Japanese. <laughs> um, so that's kind <laughs> of a rusty, unique yeah. and interesting to your life that you've traveled. Where else besides Japan would you say is well, your then favorite? A, then a couple jobs later, I would go to uh, Asia, so China, uh, Vietnam, Thailand. Still a few trips here and there to Japan, India, but uh, my favorite place to relax internationally is Vietnam. Tell me about Vietnam. For, again, you know, the war's over, right? So yep. that's behind us. And there, you can still go to some really nice museums and that. But as far as the people, you know, very welcoming. Uh, uh, the cost is very low. you got to get over there. That's the biggest hassle. That's the expense. <laughs> is the, and uh, it's a beachfront country. There are some beautiful beaches in Vietnam. Yeah. 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 Um, and speaking of which, I don't actually know how old you are. Did you, would you have gone to the Vietnam War? Or did you have peers oh, that did? No, I, I, I had a number. Back in the day, I had a draft number. It was high. And uh, and I had, I don't know that I would have. I had good grades, but I don't think at the time there was deferment. So I got a, I got a number that was 200 and something. So so what does that mean? Explain that. Well, when they call people up, they would you, they would put everybody's birthday in a hat or whatever, or a you know, random number generator or whatever, would, and you would get a number based on your date of birth. So February 23rd is my date of birth. It probably came up as, you know, 246 or something. And then they would call people up. First, they'd call everybody that had number one birth date, number two birth date. So they would have had in to have a... In huge groups. In huge groups. And that was countrywide, so... <clears throat> so so I was pretty safe. Were 200. But you had peers that went... Had peers that went, yeah. And how did that, like, what was that experience? Or did they talk about it? Did that... Not, yeah. not a lot. Nothing. Yeah. 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 And so then for you to go back post that experience is interesting because you went over there in a different time. Yeah. And so they didn't dislike Americans when no. you went. No. Well, that's good. No. Um, and tell me about parenting with you and Patty. Were you guys similar parents? Were you the <laughs> um, straight guy and she was the disciplinarian? Or were you the fun one? Or what would you say? How would you describe yourselves? Oh, that's good. Um, I I always tried to be the fun one, mm -hmm. but I, I could also be kind of you know mean and nasty like a typical dad. dad. But she was, I think, the boss, and, and that was very. We had a very traditional early marriage. I worked, I went to school. She was, you know, she stayed at home. <laughs> uh, you know, got the kids to school. I 
you know, in fact, she reminds me sometimes that I actually, you know, when I was going to grad school, I would go down in the basement with my books, and she'd have to deal with the kids all day if I had a big test coming up. So, right. So I kind of escaped a lot of that, good or bad, I don't know. Yeah. And she then did continue to go to teaching at some no. point? No. Never went back, no. always stayed home. But she certainly still uses that at our church because she does the stepping stones. Yeah. Um, and she, my middle one had her, Ellie had her as a stepping stones teacher. And it was, she was so beautiful and graceful with those kids. So oh, I have great. to tell everybody if they haven't done a stepping stones, make sure you do those. Yeah, that's the, a good point because when we were at uh, St. Peter and Paul Parish here, when we were in the Catholic faith, um, she did the uh, Sunday school for. Ever. 20 plus years. Oh, or so. yeah. So yeah. she still enjoys that. She still enjoys that. Yeah. So tell me about your faith journey. And she tries journey. to teach me something new every day, which is, you know, impossible. Like, literally, <laughs> that's a to do list where she's like, let me tell you something new and interesting. It's awesome. <laughs> well, not engineering. You're like, no, I've no, got no. eight years in my belt. No, just, you know, things like how I should behave, what oh, I should and shouldn't I do. See. Yeah, you know. Because yes. men are far from perfect, right? Yes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so she has roommate complaints? Like, take the garbage out? No, or don't no, wear I can that do that kind public, of stuff. Or, yeah, what I wear sometimes yeah. is an issue. Yeah. 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 Or why are you eating all of that? That, that too, yeah. My mom is a little guilty of that with my dad, yeah. She, she One year for Christmas or his birthday, she said... I'm I'm not for the whole year. I'm not gonna comment anymore on what you eat. And I was like, this is such a funny birthday present. But I think a gift for my dad for sure. That's funny. Um, what were we talking about when I just got sidetracked? Oh, parenting. Mm. I, think. I know you had asked. What you asked him about his faith life. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you said you were at the Catholic Church oh, for yeah, twenty yeah. years. That's what I wanted to say. Yes, thank you. Um, so you guys worshipped um, when you first got married in Nebraska, or when did you start attending Pretty, church no, together? In the closer, well, we lived closer to the city in an old Catholic parish in Lyons. I think it was St. Hugh's. Um, really didn't go, I didn't go to church that often, um, almost not at all, actually, as a young person. And, uh, of course, then you meet, Patty went to church, met her, got involved with her family, would go on Sundays before we got married get married, the kids, give them the foundation. So my faith life started, you know, in my 20s. In your yeah. 20s. And you feel like those services got ingrained in your heart like a spiritual stamp? Or would you say like that was a relational thing then for you? Yeah, I... Or creating more of a foundation of just a, knowledge. I, yeah, more of a foundation of knowledge. I, I uh, didn't get uh, my confirmation. Confirmation, what was it before we... Uh, confirmation was, no, first communion was mm -hmm. right before we got married. So I had to go to some classes. Okay. Then later on, the kids were a little older, and I did the uh, religious education for As adults adult. or I something. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, was confirmed younger than I, I was old, younger than I am now, but I can't yeah. remember, probably my 40s. But this fits 40s. in with your pursuit of education, so that was yeah. an important piece for you. Yeah, and then, um, so we went through that uh, here in town for 25 years maybe, and then just kind of fell out of mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. The kids were older, they stopped going. Right, life. You know, they stopped listening to you, they're not going to do what we say anymore. And yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. And then all of a sudden, Sundays became filled with other things. Sure. Right? So. And so how did you end up back here? Ah, you think of the, I'll probably get some of this out of order, but Mark and Allie, uh, Mark, Allison mm -hmm. and, and Mark, my son, uh, were coming here. Uh, they started having a family. Audrey, our first, our second grandchild, first child for them, was uh, baptized here. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in there, uh, we thought, oh, and then Sam, our grandson who lives with us, wanted to go to church, and he's kind of the reason we started coming here more and more. Yes, that's what and I remember And then the connections saying. grew. Yeah. And, you know, we joined about the time that I think Sam was baptized here, and he was already five or yeah. six years old. So, yeah. so now we're back into that journey, I guess. And so let's um, circle back because people who go to Celebration know you as the guitar guy, <laughs> but you took a real hiatus from church and playing guitar. So tell about that. Oh, yeah. So um, I, 
started playing music about third grade, and that was saxophone in the school band and all that kind of stuff. So now we're talking back in like 1960. Okay. Because I'm a pretty old guy here. So. <laughs> Did you have long hair? Well, yes, I did eventually. Oh, I would love oh, a yeah, picture yeah, yeah. of that. So then yeah. um, about 7th or 8th grade, it was the Beatles and all that. Um, started, and I picked up an electric guitar, started taking guitar lessons. Guitar became the main driver all through high school. and Because um, of girls. Well, because of girls, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the I girls was, he met around the brick wall. Around the brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> there he was, was some like, come and strum yeah, my guitar. Yeah, yeah, that, was that was too much. That was too much. That was too blue. <laughs> Sorry, so, Patty. No, that's, so that helped me you know, be part of the cool nerd. Right. We, we played at school dances. You always oh, got, you know, how fun. You know, can't remember how many girls I kissed, but there was a few. Yeah. You know, uh, behind the stage, maybe, you know, yeah. instead of the brick wall. I'm, gra- I'm, I'm moving up here. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. And, um, Meet me in the green room. Yeah. <laughs> and then in college, I actually started playing when I could at night in bars around town here. So, Like um, in the city? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's very and cool. And actually in 19... There's, if you can find the newspapers, I don't know. I should look online. 1967, I was in a band that won the Chicago Battle of Bands. Yeah. So right. I was like... In I our midst? I don't know, I don't know how many. Presence. I don't know how many bands entered, but anyway... Um, and was that televised, or was that just no, something no, in no, Chicago, like, the, in a huge contest, and right. And you didn't sing, just guitar? Just guitar. Yeah. Were you able to open up for any big bands that maybe we would know? We almost did. I actually went to school with, uh, well, he was a couple years older, but like Jim Peterick, I had some March, we, we, you know, I've had conversations with people like that. I'm sure he wouldn't remember me, but um, oh, well, I'm sure he knew would. some of the, no, knew some of the... Uh, Guys that started playing horns in that band from uh, went to school with in high school. So, but yeah. So, and then in those days, um, I did have long hair and you know, oh, long like beard, it. as one should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. beards are back. Yeah. As now, I sit here with two bearded men. Yeah. <laughs> so you and then you kind of quit playing. Yeah. Just life, working, kids, family. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I would pick it up once in a while. And, yeah. And and the kids, I still you know they would. As they grew, were growing up, they were in band, and Mark played bass for a while. And oh. I asked him one time, you'll have to ask him. I don't know whatever happened ask to the bass stage, I bought yeah, him. Yeah, I, yeah. I, see and I I've told him that, but I don't think he wants He's you know, push, pushes back on that. But, you know, they played sax in the, band, uh, in the school band, and I think the girls played flute. So music was already always there. Yes. But I didn't personally... Uh, have it as a priority for 30-some years. And so then you come, you see the band in a baptism, You then you start coming, and you're like, hey, yeah. guess and what? I have a talent well, here. Well, no, I actually, I didn't. Um, Allison told Chris Brown. Oh, good job, Allison. That, hey, my father-in-law used to play. Yeah, Luke used to play, right? A long time and, ago. Right, and confidence is down. Low, yeah. So. Chris worked on me for a couple of weekends and, you know, eventually said, well, why don't you come by and set it up? And uh, I did. I came to a, the rehearsal we do at 8 o'clock before the 10 o'clock service. And uh, he says, just come. And if you don't like it, you know, go put your guitar away, go sit sit back down. Well, you know, it worked out pretty well. And yeah. now you can't get me to sit down. Yeah. Now it's like... Nor should we, nor should we. <laughs> but like what's awesome is like you can see four years ago, because that happened right before I came. And it was about the time um, right before you kind came. Kind of like a shy guitar Gary. And now he's walking around with no, like it's a wireless plug that he's got. So he's like jamming <laughs> on our stage. That's awesome. I think it's a real gift. I love yeah. what you add to the well, service. Thanks. I think it's wonderful. That's been something that's really been fun for the last Good. few years. Um, is is I think I'm a much better musician than I used sure? to be back in the Beatle days, you know. And, um, you know, so that's been real rewarding for me. And I, I, every once in a while you hear somebody say, well, they feel like they're at a performance. And I guess sometimes I, I do feel like I'm performing. But if it's helping people connect. Well, and it's a celebration maybe, of that worship well, experience. And yeah, I, like I think the that's the celebration wonderful. is the yeah, perfect name because, yeah. you know. Like That's the highlight of my, it's the highlight of my week. Anyway. Yeah, I well, love it. And and listen to what you just said. You know, you the going to church and giving a gift is the highlight of your week. Yeah. Compared to not attending at all a few years ago. Yeah. And like that. That's awesome. That I so call it Thanks. what you will. It's worship and it's working. So yeah, and it's beautiful. 
Thanks. Um, will you also talk about now um, your experience going to Mozambique and how did you get the chutzpah to do that? Well, you'd traveled a bunch, I guess, but this was a different kind of travel. Yeah. Well, I, I have, uh, yes, international travel, a lot of travel. had never been to the African continent. And I, and I, I did say to some, uh, some friends if I would have kept working, because we were always looking at inexpensive sources of materials, you know, uh, and products. And I knew that eventually, you know, you know, Japan used to be inexpensive. Well, then it became China. That's no, now it's Vietnam. It's moving, you know, west or whatever you want to call it. So eventually, Africa, I would have probably visited on business, but not working anymore. And so I want to. One of my bucket lists is now the only continents I haven't been to after this is South America, which seems like it should be pretty easy to get to, and Antarctica. So I think I Antarctica be. could be epic. Yeah, then I could, you know, checkbox those. If there I was like such it. a thing as a bucket list, which I mentally I might have. One. Yeah. But um, so, and and just, I think, you know, here Pastor Brian has talked me into a lot of things. <laughs> like like this podcast for a while. <laughs> I hope it's not too painful. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, you know, let's see. And at the time, I think part of it was uh, they, they, uh, they felt like they didn't have enough enough to contribute at the at the service that was conducted in Chimoyo the last time they went. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, well, I think we need a guitar player. So <laughs> that was part of it, but um and then just, you know, to experience it. So I don't I, in fact, I remember talking to Pastor Brian on the plane It's like, well, you know, what am I really what am I what am I providing here because I didn't feel like I was essential or anything. And uh but I knew it would be eye-opening, that kind of thing. So um, so getting there, it was. I mean, I expected to see, you know, poverty and that kind of thing. And, uh, and we did. Um, but the people were just fantastic, mm-hmm. you know. In spite of In spite circumstance. Of. Yes. Because you would say every person that you guys really interacted with, the circumstances were not great. In fact, bad. Right. I mean, and even the 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 leaders there, you know, have not there's not as much poverty for them, but they're still meager, you know, existence compared to how the average Napervillian, you know, right. And lives. so you're saying like housing, housing, food, lack of running water. Um, yeah, even know. the leaders. Well, no, they had a situation. situation. Situational. I, I yeah. think one of the the terms that I came back saying after Mozambique um, was that when you see someone in need here in the U.S., um, you quickly realize how many how much access to resources they have. So they can go to pads. They can go to this food shelter. Um, you know, like there there are multiple avenues, and there. Those avenues don't exist. It, it was the church, which is really what was powerful about the support that we do there in Mozambique. Is the church was the one feeding people, making sure they were getting medicine and cared for, right? Uh, making sure that close to two hundred kids were able to have a school. Yeah, um, good point. Because I think government provided social services were probably almost non-existent, mm. right? And like so. it's something like it's over eighty percent. Um, unemployment and so for us in in our brains we think what 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 solution can we throw out how can we fix this and you you can't fix that so then you have to quickly like let go of that and let go of like seeing all the garbage you know burning around you and just you quickly realize this is about relationships and um the church is doing good work or Gary brings the gift of music there. He brings a guitar and we're able to sing. And then all of a sudden he's got a million little kids literally <laughs> hanging on him. And that um, was the most so fun. So what yeah. instruments do they use? Do, does anyone there have a guitar? We, well, I brought it because we, we could, we couldn't get confirmation if that, they did. that they would actually have one. Okay. And I thought, well, we wanted to add something to our participation mm-hmm. in the Sunday service, which, was I don't know three and a half or four hours mm-hmm. long, yeah. And you you might go, oh my gosh, but we were never bored. And yeah. the singing and the dancing, I mean, talk. I almost felt like you know, I somebody was performing for me yeah. at, at points. So it was kind of cool, but um, so so uh, yeah, we provided the service. You know, we saw what these people did, and I guess the connections again by connecting to them, maybe coming back and encouraging others because of what we've seen is maybe the reason. One of the reasons I felt that okay, it was worthwhile mm-hmm. trip. 
Um, but again, kind of the the lack of uh, housing, food, sanitation, whatever it might be, and yet these people were joyous, which was kind of the part that really grabs you as we would be absolutely miserable. Right. Or but, would but we? But these people were not. Or maybe it would change yeah, you because you'd have that. to. Who yeah. knows? I mean, it's right. like you you react to or you 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 develop your response to things based on what you have to do. And right. those people there have to do certain things. You go know, get water. They can't. They don't choose whether they're going to go um, to a movie tonight or to the gym. Right. <laughs> the options are super different. Right. Right. Yeah. So pretty awesome. Um, can you tell us one of your favorite messages that you can recall? I'm really putting you on the spot. Um, mm. Or something that has been like a new thought? Because you, as you said, you are not 20. Um, and so I think to everybody to know that like we just always keep learning and growing. Is there a new something that you've been like, oh, that was a new uh, change in the way I think about life or faith or? Um. Maybe, maybe just that uh, no matter what you do, you know, it might seem small, but it's, it's not. I was thinking about the, uh, the stuff we're doing, like with, not to give a plug here, but to, like selling the jerky. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a $5 bag of jerky provides uh, 60 meals for a child. That's crazy. It's, it's unfathomable. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, and uh, again, I mean, that would, my inspiration for this, I'm just the production guy is Pastor Brian, but he says, yeah. Because, you know, it's just something I've started a hobby, enjoyed it, and people have enjoyed the jerky, and it was like, well, let's feed people by feeding people. Feed people and by so, feeding people. I, I mean, when you think about it, we've collected a little over $2,000, which is money, but it's not a great deal of money. No. But what it provided to these people is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Because they have so little. So it's, it's you know, if people think of $5 in a jar, you don't realize what that can do. Well, and I love that because I think sometimes in a church you see um, the stage people that are able to worship and give back. But in this instance, it's like you said. I enjoy making jerky. It's such a specific niche thing, but then you've turned it into an active service of serving others. I love that because I think for people to explore those avenues, that's beautiful. I mean, who would have thought of it? Right? Well, and we, we're not to a point that I, I say to Gary, I'm like, you do realize you've saved lives. Like there were there would have been meals missed, but that aren't missed now because of, because of that. So like that niche thing that you're doing, like playing around with jerky here, I'm going to add this to make it spicy <laughs> that not. So people's lives are saved and changed, but then think about the young family here at church that they buy 20 bucks worth and they're, they're laughing, but the impact they never have given probably before to the Mozambique ministry. And then all of a sudden they have this connection, which I, I, I think again, it goes back to relationships then. Like that's what that's all we've done. Because a few years ago we we had a a ministry here that not a lot of people were involved in. You had to go to Africa in order to really care about it and give to it. And we wanted to break down that wall. I think you selling your jerky has kind of done that. So Uncle Gary's jerky for Jesus. <laughs> I will also in the um in the details of this podcast, I'm gonna put a link to uh, um a way to pay prepay for jerky if that's okay i think that's an excellent but idea. by prepaying it costs 550 and not because you have to pay the banking fee yep um, oh, okay per bag but you can pre-order and you just need to say if you want original gariaki which is our teriyaki flavor hurts so good which is a spicy one original um then there's gluten-free oh, yeah, we're gluten-free and then we also have vegan now Yes. What's the vegan made out of? The vegan is made out of soy, soy curls. So you actually can buy actually really curls. Good. They look a little like, um, oh, very small the chicken strips, mm-hmm. you know, and they have a texture uh, like like meat. So it's really kind of And then what, you put these in a dehydrator? Yes. Yeah. I still dehydrate Because at first I was them. picturing you by a grill because previously we were discussing your grill skills. <laughs> Yeah, but no. yes, this is a dehydrator. Have you dehydrated strawberries? I've done some fruit. I would like to try yeah. your fruit. I, I wanted like to, to order do a mango fruit strips. Bag. You want to see how that went? Yeah, mang- mango, um, it came out. The, the problem with the mango for me was the effort versus the yield. You know, you lose about, with, with, with the jerky, yeah. the beef, you lose about two-thirds. 
Um, two thirds. And and uh-huh. uh, but the the uh, mango out of two mangoes, I got the equivalent of less than four bags of because jerky. Because of the liquid. It's such liquid, and now the yeah. taste was good. Although it didn't tend to absorb the hot spice, the spicy version was not very spicy. So, so I'm still oh, learning I like that. To, I would like to it, dip in my toe in the water of the fruit ones you have. Right. It, so yeah, I think so there's another market for us. Yeah, that yeah. could be yummy. So he, if you've ever seen Breaking huh? Bad, <laughs> Gary, Gary is the Walter White of the jerky world. Like, <laughs> He, he tells the engineering you to, behind it, right. if you will, and and so that that it's not just passion about does this taste good, but he to the, has a science behind making the best turkey that is not too dry, that it is perfection, and he sells himself on that. By the way, with the soy curls, I think our name for it should be curls for the girls. It's a throwback to your high school, junior high days of. There you go. <laughs> your first yeah, your long rock and roll hair. <laughs> I yeah, I like it. That's um, funny. I was just looking at my notes that I sent you. Um, have you changed your mind on anything or anything that's notable in the past 10 years where you're like, I believed this and now I believe this? I guess what I inspired that question is I feel like a lot of people were in this time. I'm not going polit- political at all. I'm not I'm really not. But a lot of people are so passionate about what they believe politically and it becomes divisive. And I think sometimes people think their identity in that is very original to them. But I think there's some crazy high percentage of you identify with what your parents were. And so really your opinions were established for you. And I'm guilty of that. I'm for sure raised in a certain way and believe that way from my parents and grandparents and um, all those Chicago people. but yeah, is there something that you went like, no, I, I kept listening and hearing and I changed my thought on this. I would say nothing political. No. Um, well, anything. I was just using that yeah, as an example. More, more of maybe uh, personal. And Patty would Patty would say that I'm, I try to control things. I pretty much it's the engineer in me. Yes. You should be able to analyze things and make the right choice and, you know, and, and that kind of thing for everything. And it's not true. So... Um, I think, and and so, you know, I had a plan for my career. I was going to work till I'm 66, I'm going to retire, right? Well, the corporation I work for said, no, you're, you're going to retire now, and they push you out. And so after you get over being angry, um, what I've learned is, well, you know, you play the cards you're dealt or whatever. And mm-hmm. so uh, take a more positive outlook and... It's allowed me to become a much better musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I found these other things to do. I could. I w- didn't have to worry about how much vacation time I had to go to Mozambique. Uh, you know. Started, so when did you retire? It was uh, about two and a half years ago. And how old were you? Sixty-four. So two years prior to when you had wanted to. Yes. And so you have been very successful in creating a new identity for yourself. Yeah, I would wow. say that's accurate. You're right. Yeah. I just have seen um, my father-in-law was kind of also didn't choose when he retired. Um, And then my dad also kind of worked some jobs to end his retirement, not his career. Um, And Brett has watched both of them and he feels like, oh, okay. I, I think I'm not going to be able to just do one or the other. I think I'm going to have to also have another job, like my dad delivers for edible arrangements or yeah. or something that gives him a sense of purpose. But yeah. you have found that with... With other things. Well, and probably because of the age, I tried to look for a job for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but once companies found out kind right. of your age, right. what I was willing or not willing to work for as far right. as a salary... Um, you know, then you, you're, you're, the calls became fewer and fewer, or they certainly never got a call back, you know, like, oh, we want to talk to you some more. That just wasn't happening. I did one consulting job for a friend of mine that's also at an a, a industry here, a business in Downers Grove. And, you know, it was a couple of days and made, a, made, a, made some money. But when I looked at what it took me to do my taxes as a self-employed person, mm-hmm. I was like, well, this isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so other things started creeping in. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough that I guess, you know, a lot of interests were presented to me, not just, I mean, I guess I had been already playing before I was forced to retire. But, but then that just blossomed, you know. And uh, other things, you just, the other opportunities come up, you just have to be open to them. So, so I'd say different. Yeah. I was able to create a new identity. I like that. Whereas when I think back to when my dad was, 
uh, he went on disability, which I guess is like a forced retirement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he basically sat at the kitchen table, watched television. Right. You know, we're talking 30 years ago, whatever, drank beer and, you know, died young. So that was not you a good one. didn't have a sense of purpose. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, this is, I don't know how to ask this question, but I'm just curious. <laughs> just do it. Um, just do speaking it. <laughs> of vulnerability and truth, I find it so fascinating that in our culture, and maybe you could speak to the ones that you visited, how it was would be so taboo and uncomfortable to say what a salary was. But this is my thought on it. I think it's uncomfortable the more that you make. I think when you make less, like I was very aware of what my parents made, but they didn't make huge salaries Right. or like my brother's in the military. So you could look up what he made at the military level. But then I think like the more established you get, then it's like very taboo to speak of that. Do you, what is your thoughts? Or in other cultures, was it like that? Like in Japan? I didn't notice it in other cultures. No. No. But in Japan, you wouldn't then say, I make this in America. What do you make here? You right. Would you never, wouldn't do that. That was never. kind of like getting into somebody's personal space. Right. 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 Well, but I think what happened is, and I I just had indicators that with the younger people coming up within, one of the reasons I was retired, uh, is I guess this was a good problem to have, is I know that for, at some points I was making more than some of the other managers. So you become a target. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's just the way things are in corporate America today. So I had, a, I had when when I when I was forced to retire, I remember one of the vice presidents called me, and I could speak to him very openly, and uh, I remember asking him. I says, "Well, here's what I'm trying to figure out." And this is kind of a rip on corporate America. I mm-hmm. guess sorry, but it's like, when did I go from being a valuable manager yeah. to expensive overhead? So what, right. because that's when you move into the, yeah. <laughs> that's when you're right. moved when into, did, and also it's like time to retire. Your wisdom <laughs> and experience had the value. Right. And when did it go to like, nah. Right. Because yeah. there's really, I didn't see any clear transition. I was still doing what I always did. Right. You know, trying to move the company ahead, develop new products, that kind of thing. Well, I find it interesting because I feel like Brett is, my husband's 44, and he has had that conversation with his peers. Like, okay, we're in that spot where we either have to, like, lock it down where we are, (laughs) because otherwise, when we're 54, if we're not happy where we are, people probably won't. Right. Say. Well, and right or wrong, I mean, obviously you go to the interviews, they can't ask you how old yes. you are. They can pretty much figure it out. But from you know, experience, I started right. taking dates off of resumes, you know, right. let them figure it out, make it a little harder for them. But but that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So you you have to be prepared. Well, it's easy to say looking back. I wasn't 100% prepared, you know, but um, try not to spend everything you make. Put something aside. You never know. And that I, if you are planning on retiring... Because it became actually, you know, in hindsight, a blessing. I mean, because it, it opened up my time and my ability to do other things. If you have the math, do the math, figure out when you can retire, and take six months off of it. Because <laughs> you, you don't know how know. many months yeah. after that you have. Yeah. So it's kind of another way but, of looking at it. But, but I, was, I was lucky enough that I didn't, I wasn't going to starve. Yeah. After losing my job, so. But there's also the game that you could say when is enough money, and like they even with rich people, it's always I think oh. it's like twenty percent more than what you actually make, and then once It'll you get there, it's be. always twenty percent more. Yeah. You're chasing yeah, you probably carrot. can never have enough, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, that, that's unfortunately that's what I think about retirement is like it's so far down, like far away for me that I wish it were a lot closer, but like will I ever be able to achieve what I really want to be comfortable? Oh, no, I'll just always push it down six more months. Right, right. Um, do you know Randy Schneider here at our church? He he's worships em- at the main campus. to say I probably he, have well, bumped into him, but you can't. Well, he just worships at the other church, too. Um, but I was on the call team with him for Pastor John, and he had a saying. He was a retired gentleman, and he said, uh, my wife and I are married for rich or for poor, for sickness and health, but not for lunch. And I always thought that was so funny. Has uh, retirement played a role in your guys' marriage, or has that become more playful and fun for you to use that time together? Well, we certainly have a lot more flexibility, but, you know, we still watch, you know, uh, grandkids you know, at least once a week. Um, 
Sam and Karen live with us, so we're still very involved in the sports. Yeah. We go to all the games. Yeah. Um, but if we, we do try to get out, and, you know, like the other day, we're out shopping. I said, well, let's go, let's go get some lunch. So we went to, by the way, very good Vietnamese uh, soup place over here by the DMV. Oh, I know where really you're Really good. Anyway. Is it called Pho? Yeah, Pho Thien, I think it is. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but yeah, so it's we, we have that freedom. And we are traveling more and that kind of thing. So. What's your favorite thing about Patty? Ooh. Our top two favorite things. Well, you know, she is... <laughs> She's a great, still a great parent. So although now we're kind of in the grandparent mm-hmm. mode, she is the she's the rock of the mm-hmm. family. I'm kind of the goofy, <laughs> goofy rock Both star. Both important roles. Yeah, but you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. She's, she's got a place in heaven. You know, she saved me. She, you know, she's. So I mean, I don't. What know. do you mean she saved you? Well, I I wasn't. None of this stuff was important to me back. You know, back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, so you feel like she's given you that she's given foundation. me she brought me in to have some foundation you know yeah. I, I don't think I would have been a bad person, but uh certainly would have been a different person yeah Gary That's do you want do you want to get your phone no we could we could all <laughs> say hi no it's my son he's online it better be God do you want to tell her about how we found the coldest beer in Mozambique oh yeah. That was the, um, we were staying at the hotel there in, like, downtown Chamoyo, right? And um, we we saw something about pizza on the internet, right? Yeah. And we walked down this dark side street. Really dark. And we thought, well, we probably shouldn't be doing that. Felt dicey. Felt oh, dicey. Very, very dicey. Very, it was dark. But if you, you remember. You can't see anything. Like there are no like street lights as you're walking down the street. And then you go down the side street. That's and no lights darker. on buildings. Well, no. And, and ten, but, but and 10 feet into this, into this side street, you know, the light was gone. But we heard a party. So remember that too? We were the yeah, there's thinking, a party across the street. Maybe we could find that party. But and anyway. Then, <laughs> and then what's, who's at the so, gate? So we looked over and then there was this guy sitting about where we thought, based on our phone mm-hmm. and, and map, that the, the the restaurant ought to be, and um, I can't remember the name of the pizzeria, by the way. But so we looked over, and he's sleeping on a chair, well, I, and he's actually sleeping in front of the sign, mm-hmm. so we couldn't see the <laughs> sign to the pizza place. Yeah. yeah. So do we ask somebody? Is there a pizzeria? Yeah, we walked out here? like we're like we're not we, in the right place. Not, we walked back out, and, and somebody asked came by. They came. They yeah. told us that we were there. There's so some, yeah. we go in. Oh. We go in, and it's a house, and like in the backyard of the house, essentially, is it's a, like awnings, like open, tent, it's like open tent, tent, yeah. yeah. And there's a pizza parlor back there, and it's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the pizza was good. Yeah, the so similar, real... like an American pizza. Yeah, I think we got thin crust. Yeah, I didn't remember like, if they had it was great, thin. but like um, cheese stone. and red sauce and dough. Like, uh, oh, you went and watched them make the pizza. Yeah, it, it was, was like, like a stone, stone brick oven. Stone brick oven yeah. pizza. Okay, so it was really good. Their <laughs> toppings though, like so, like we tried their stuff and like so, like their spicy sausage. It was so hot, but it was really good. <laughs> but we ordered beers. And it was the coldest beer I've ever had in my life. It was unbelievable. It was ice like cracking off the outside of the bottle. It was the greatest thing ever. They were very cold. Manica, I think it was. Yeah. Was it Manica's beer? It was a sa- yeah. or it was a Mozambican beer. It was so cool. But you ready for this? So Susan, who's on our trip, she's eating her pizza and all of a sudden she pulls out like a rusty nail. <gasps> forgot about that. <laughs> because like they're burning wood that probably just has nails in it <laughs> it fell off and fell in her pizza i don't oh know oh my gosh so, but barring that it was really good and and the beer, so but the beer was so cold and that was when we had the whole group remember yeah yeah and then, then. so there was the beer was so ice cold that should i tell our secret yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so everybody went to bed one night after dinner and Pastor Brian and I, now that we knew our way, uh-huh. it was only like a half a block away. We snuck back for a couple of. I love that we you guys went rogue. We did. We you we snuck we never, out of the dorm. We did. Yeah, we snuck out of the dorm. You did. Yeah, but it was totally worth it for that. Just like, a couple of college I, guys. I I will travel back to Mozambique <laughs> just to just have for that, that ice cold, cold beer. beer. I can't wait. Well, I hope somebody else goes with you and gets to have this experience with you yeah. on your you next trip next you, year. You totally yeah. Go. 
Well, and you know what's really unusual about that? Because here we're in a third world at best yes. country, right? And refrigeration costs yes. money, right? And energy costs money. Very expensive. To have a beer that cold is crazy. Because, mm-hmm. like, when I've been to Asia, China, Vietnam, and that kind of thing, and Americans like cold beer, we usually have, we would tell them, ice cold. So sometimes we'd wait because they'd stick it in refrigerator, you know, you know, and, and just ice it down for us because otherwise you get kind of, you know, lukewarm yeah. beer. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. Oh, I then, when we returned from home, I was like bored six months later. I went on Google because I'm like, I could totally find this place. And I found it on, on Google. Like they have a, not a website, but like I found them on the maps and I left a five-star review for them. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, this is the best pizza place in Mozambique. Coldest but beers. Perhaps Mozambicans maybe aren't looking on the five-star review based I don't on know, but it was community. A, but anyone touring or Anyone there, visiting or traveling. Yeah, I would want to make sure they because know. Because you would say stars. they didn't have internet access, like the people that you were hanging out with or going to church with. Probably not most of them. Well, and it's Some. it's a little different. Like, for instance, their phones didn't have Snapchat. So, like, for the but kids... But they did have phones. Yeah. And so... because oh, so. Well, the phone system there is so unique. So... You know how, like, if you go to buy a burner phone here in the U.S., how there's, like, a little SIM card that you can insert and you get minutes? Okay. There, what they do is they have phones, and on the streets, they're selling you SIM cards. And literally, as soon as the SIM card is done, they're just throwing it away. And so you buy a SIM card with, like, you know, two hours worth of data and phone. And then as soon as it's done, you have to buy one. And so when you're driving in your the car or you're walking on the street, they'll buy it from one of those phone dealers. Which they is don't crazy, have, right? They it don't have plans, crazy. unlimited data plans like we have. And so what's what's crazy about that is then with each, with each SIM card, your number changes, right? So, like, what if you and your buddy yeah, both change right. on the same day? So yeah. to call How do you get each other... I have yeah. no clue how they do I'm it. running out of minutes. I'm going to be on one five side and right. give them a new number. Yeah. Well, because what, like the payment, you don't, you can't commit perhaps financially to like a monthly plan. And so this and is a, I have the yeah. money right now. Right. And they probably don't trust that you'd make a monthly payment. Yeah. So yeah, it's a whole different way of looking uh, yeah, at it. Yeah, experiencing it. Yeah. So, or if you're not removing the SIM card, something, <laughs> it's like a you put in the number and then all of a sudden you have that data. It's, it was, it was so cool to see them selling it everywhere like it's just in your face i'm like what is this so it gives them but still i like that they have access because that just seems so like isolating or not aware of your global community yeah i couldn't remember though when we were like out in the middle of nowhere going to some of these other uh sites that we visited if the cell service was that good i mean i I would presume you would have none probably none i think there was a lot of places we had none i don't remember though like we, so we went into like the bush <clears throat> to go see this hospital clinic. Um, and it was almost like it was like five or three miles away from Zimbabwe. So, which we, was a dangerous, Zimbabwe been a is dangerous, dangerous? area. Yeah. At that moment, that area, that area was a little the, dicey. It was, there were some tensions, um, with that was before their, um, their dictator president had passed away. So he has since, um, left office. In the earth, right? I think Did so. Did he die? I think so. Anyway, so he, um, but but there was nothing, nothing there. It was crazy. It's kind of cool, though, to go where there's no connection. Right. Do you know what else was interesting? I was thinking this, because I've, I've been lucky that I'm not a very fussy eater. I'll eat a lot of different things, which if if you are a fussy eater, international travel can kind of be... I think so. Little little uh, risky, and especially some third world areas, but... We were, I'm sure it was expensive for the locals, but we were always able to find decent food. The hotel had a decent restaurant. Yeah, so, and if you're willing to, you know, take a little bit of risk on the side of, well, I've never had that Mm -hmm. type of fish, so you have it, but it was great, right? Yeah. I love that you're so adventurous. Um, Do you have a big trip planned for you and Patty currently? You said you guys are going to do some more travel. uh, Not a big trip, well, small trip. We're going to go to San Antonio next month, which is a place we like to go. The Riverwalk. Mm. Are you going to go into the, the basement of the Alamo? I have not been in the basement, but I heard now you can, right? We've been to the Alamo. Yeah. So. Uh, when you go there, ask to see the basement. I want to see the basement. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Do you guys, either one of you, fun. understand what I have just said? No. Nope. Texas doesn't all. have basements, first of all. <gasps> oh, my god. Second of all, I that's where they kept they Pee Wee Herman's bike was in the basement of the Alamo. Uh, you need to go see nope, Pee Wee Herman's big adventure. don't know a Pee Wee Herman reference. <laughs> oh, see, I probably should re- see the... Uh, the listeners are dying I'm right going, now. Oh, my Sorry, gosh. Listeners. You both fell in for In my head, the whole time, I was like, <laughs> he who's got, the Alamo between? He got I me. was literally like, I'm not Pee-wee sure. Pee Wee Herman goes no, there to look for his bike. Who was the Alamo between? Who was fighting at the Alamo? Oh, the Alamo I actually don't even know. Um, the Texans and Texas Mexico. And Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, that's in my Texas, head, that's what I was doing. I was like, oh, Because Texas used to be a republic. You know, there was a country. And then own. we said, nope. And then somehow, I forget the, all, the, state. all the history. So, and actually, that yeah. war was kind of a turning point because I forget who was trying to influence, the communist country was trying to influence Mexico. And that was kind of like the one of the final last hurrahs. And so when when they celebrate Cinco de Mayo and their it's not their independence but it's kind of close to that it it all it has something to do with like which came first the Alamo or Cinco de Mayo I think the Alamo happened and then Cinco de Mayo later they're all connected and that's so, when they know. celebrate yeah, yeah. Well, so Gary, little trip, little I trip love having you. Well, so a you. small trip. Fun. I hope you have some more big trips, not as, too. Not as difficult as I thought it was oh, going to be. Good. Thank, thank you. Interview. You made it very easy. Good. You I set it up. I was very nervous it. about this, even though as a rock star, I shouldn't be. No, you should I just, shouldn't. this is not the venue I'm used to. He's like, oh, I don't yes. like to talk about myself. I don't. He, he you could have, like, been playing soft guitar music. Jeez. behind us yeah yeah that yeah. would have worked with the guitar well we love having you and well, i love you. that you're a part of our community so thanks for sharing and playing with us today thank you yeah and marnie you uh, we we have a few more Great interviews job. lined up so we'll, we we'll continue to send We're these excited. out your podcast is working a lot better than mine well thanks everybody <laughs> thanks bye. all right have a great day bye bye